All right, picture this. You walk into the trendiest venue in your city. It's decorated floor to ceiling with incredible floral arrangements that must have cost thousands to install. The loud music's playing songs that are so instantly setting the vibe. You walk deeper into the venue and instantly you're offered an Instagram-worthy drink that you make a mental note to snap a photo of once you've settled in. Everyone is dressed to the nines, mostly in clothes that were gifted to you and the other guests by the brand. The energy of being surrounded by so many other creators, brand reps, and this glamorous environment is pulsing through your veins. Sounds like a dream, right? (laughs) I mean, no, really, I might have actually had a dream like this once. These extravagant events are typically hosted by brands so that you as a creator will post every detail of the event, tag the brand, and post to your gram for the whole world to see. Who puts these events together most of the time? Publicists. We don't really think about the publicists who are doing all of the behind the scenes work. Did you know that brands don't always do all of their influencer coordination and event planning themselves? Let's be honest, for big brands especially, there just are not enough hours in the day. And why not outsource the task to someone who eats, sleeps, and breathes public image, especially on the internet? That's where publicists come in. As creators, let's be real here, we want to get in with these publicists because we want to be top of mind next time they're putting together an event in our area or recruiting for a campaign that they're planning with their clients who are probably our dream clients. Or even when we decide we want to take the next step with a brand and collaborate with them on a product, many times publicists are the ones coordinating all of these details. So what does a publicist look for when recruiting influencers? How can we get invited to these out-of-a-dream events? How can we work hand-in-hand with publicists and create great relationships with them so that we can help make the brand's digital advertising dreams come true and ours in the process, if we're being honest? I'm Kristen Bousquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $300,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach entrepreneurial influencers to turn their online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Mackenzie Judge, who is a publicist at Gal Media. At Gal, she works with emerging brands, products, and people to bring awareness and global recognition to their offerings. She does everything from event planning to influencer campaign management, so you could say she knows a thing or two about choosing the best influencers to help bring a vision to life for her clients. Today, we're answering all the questions you have about creating relationships with publicists and questions you didn't even know you had. We want you to be able to work hand in hand with some of your favorite brands to help them hit their goals, and publicists are a great relationship to have if you want to make this happen. We're giving you the scoop on what the brands are looking for in creators, how you can build these long-lasting relationships with them, and even what you can do to avoid getting canceled, which is a creator's biggest fear. And this, my biz BFFs, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 25 of Social Scoop. I'm Kristen, and I am so excited to be here to talk with you about a lot of news that's popped up in the last few days, as well as give you the tea on what it is like to create relationships with publicists and why you should start doing exactly that. 
We're going to dive into the news. There's a lot of TikTok news this week. I think actually everything I have to talk about is TikTok news. But this just goes to show TikTok is making a lot of improvements. They are building this platform and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So if you're still one of those creators who is avoiding TikTok like the plague, my friend, you got to get over that and get on TikTok. TikTok is actually a lot of fun. So don't think of it like a job. Think of it like just your outlet to have fun on. And I feel like when you look at it in a way that's really just like easy or not putting too much into the production. You're just on there hanging out with friends, talking about things you like. You're going to have a lot more success there and you'll feel a lot less pressure, which I think is really important. So first of all, TikTok will now notify creators when you add their videos to favorites, if you would like. So this is an option that is going to be something that you can turn on or can turn off. Basically, when someone adds your video to their favorites, you'll be able to see who is adding those videos to their favorites so that you can kind of keep track of who's keeping an eye on your content, maybe introduce yourself, build a better connection with that person if it's someone you've never talked to. I don't love the idea of this for kind of like being obsessive about checking it, but I do think that there could be a lot of valuable information, again, like creating relationships with people who like your content, who you may not even be aware that they exist. So I really like this, but I think you have to make sure you don't get obsessive about checking this because we don't need any more stress. I think we can all agree on that. TikTok also shared some new tips on how to maximize content performance. And I've got to say a lot of this I knew already, but there's one thing I was really surprised about because uh, again, I feel like it's similar to Instagram where we get information and then a little while down the line, we get more information, but it's different from what we originally heard. This kind of reminds me of that. Um, So the first few things they said that I I knew and I, I agree and I think we all know these things. Stick with the 9 by 16 aspect ratio. Again, I think that's pretty obvious. Shoot high res, at least 720p. Um, I think, again, most of our phones already do that. Um, Include audio of any kind. This was something that kind of surprised me. Um, It said the more relevant, the better. They didn't really specify what relevant meant, but I'm assuming that means sounds that are trending, sounds that are people people are using. Um, But it said include audio of any kind. So essentially, like even I haven't added audio to my videos in a really long time, like any music. Um, But typically, like I will post a video of me talking with no music. So I almost want to experiment and see if I'm adding some sort of sounds or some sort of audio on top of me talking lightly in the background, if that does change how things perform. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting point that they made to say here. And this one was probably the most surprising to me. They said, stick to 21 to 24 seconds, never go below 10 seconds. We have heard for so long, seven second videos were like the MVP of all videos. So I was really surprised when they said never go below 10. Like that really, really, I was like, wait, what? So again, I I can see why the seven second video was really great. It gets people watching for a second round, which obviously is going to increase the amount of views you're seeing on videos. Um, But I wonder what the secret to the 21 to 24 seconds is, if there's some sort of science behind that. Again, I'm definitely going to test it out. I have a really hard time keeping my videos under 
40 seconds, I would say, uh, because I ha- usually have a lot to say, you know? I mean, that's why I have a podcast. I, I like talking. I have a lot of things to say. So this is going to be tough for me, but I am going to try it and see where this goes for me. Uh, 21 to 24 seconds. Never go below 10 seconds is what they say. We'll see how that goes. TikTok is also testing a private dislike button. Uh, This was kind of confusing to me at first, so I'm going to just read for you word to word how they explained it. They said, quote, once a user dislikes a comment, the dislike won't be public and commenters won't be notified that their comment has been disliked. Commenters and other users also won't be able to see how many times a comment has been disliked. TikTok said it sees the button as a way for users to flag comments that may be spam or that don't make sense in the context of the video they're posted under. Okay, so I get what they're trying to do. This is almost just kind of like a community, like, hey, this comment, you might want to delete it. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I understand that, but I don't feel like this is what it's going to be used for. I mean, I think a dislike button is going to be for people who dislike what people are saying in the comments. However, I do think it's great that they made it so the person whose comment is getting disliked doesn't know that it's getting disliked because obviously that can be very damaging, especially like if it's a viral video and like a hundred thousand people are disliking your comment. Like a lot of people don't take that lightly. So I think it's smart that they're hiding that. Only the video publisher can see this. Um, but I just don't know how people are actually going to use it. They're only testing it right now, so we'll have to just wait and see. Also, TikTok is testing showing the viewers of your video. I don't know if I love or hate this. I've got to say, sometimes I'm doing a little internet stalking and I don't necessarily want people to know if I'm looking at their videos. Like, what if I'm looking at like some girl from high school that I I don't like, but I wanted to see what her video was? Or like, sometimes things show up on, on your FYP and you have no option but to already start watching them. And maybe you don't want your name being shown saying, I watched this video. So, I don't know if I love this. Again, I think it could be cool to, from our perspective as creators, to say, wow, look at all these people. I can see everyone who's watching my content. And then you could obviously go and interact with those people, create connections with them. I think that's a great tool. But also, like, as a user, I don't necessarily know that I want people to know every single video that I'm watching. Uh, So uh, mixed feelings on this. I feel like most of the news this week I kind of have mixed feelings about. But TikTok is doing big things. They're changing things around. They're trying to make this user experience really great for us. So I think, again, I'm going to reiterate it. If you are not on TikTok, you've got to get on TikTok. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get on TikTok. Anyway, have a great rest of your day, you guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode and I will see you next week. Today, I am here with the lovely Mackenzie Judge, who is a creator. She works in PR. She's got her own podcast. This woman has a lot going on. (laughs) So, Mackenzie, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. It's so fun to be on the other side of the mic sometimes. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, tell us a little bit about you. Give us the tea. 
Yeah. So like you mentioned, I kind of wear a lot of hats in what I do and there's kind of a bigger picture to that, if you will. So I'll try to make this as short as possible, (laughs) but I've always been obsessed with beauty since I was so, so little. I remember like just having a collection of lip glosses, not going to t-ball practice without wearing lipstick or having a pink bow in my hair. Like it's been forever. And so I always knew when I wanted to grow up that I wanted to be some kind of entrepreneur. I grew up in an entrepreneurial household still do. My dad has owned his own business for 30 years. So watching him kind of run his own show, I've always known that's going to be me. I'm definitely going to have my own business someday. Um, And with that, I was always like, well, what am I going to do? I never really thought you could build a career in beauty, especially, you know, five, six years ago when it wasn't as big and trendy as it is today. And the industry just wasn't as, you know, pop culturized as it is today. And so for the longest time, I kind of thought, you know, maybe I'll do something in fitness, something in wellness, Um, I also played softball forever and my dad was my coach the whole time. And so I've had all this like fitness knowledge and I just, I don't know. So, you know, once I was in college and you're kind of in that phase of like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? This is when I was starting to think like, you know, okay, what are my real passions in life? I do love fitness. I do love wellness, but beauty is like way, way above that. And so I always knew I wanted to do something in beauty. And so my dream right now and what I'm currently working on is formulating my own color cosmetic line. So makeup, Ooh. which is so fun. Um, Tell yeah. us about your team and how you, first of all, like how did you decide you needed a team? And then where did you find your team? So I actually was an intern myself for a podcast for two years while I was in college and I loved it. I was an intern for Yola Robert, who is a senior Forbes contributor. So she's also in PR. So you're kind of connecting the dots here. Yeah. Um, but she was so amazing to work with. And so with her, I was her intern. So I learned how to do all the intern things, right? And all of the graphic designing and behind the scenes while she handled all the bigger tasks and more of like right. the host tasks, if you will. And so I never planned to have a podcast when I worked for her. I just genuinely loved all the pop culture that she was immersed with. And I wanted to be immersed with that as well. Um, But kind of learning all the ins and outs of a podcast and then loving beauty and being like, I want to connect with more people. I was like, I'm just going to start one because I kind of know how to at this point. And so I knew early on, like, I really want to grow this and scale this as much as I can, because, you know, why not? Like, I'd rather go beg or go home here. Yeah. And so with this, I brought on a couple of interns and I have a couple girls on my team right now that are amazing. Um, We have some girls on paid and we have some girls that are just interns, but they're Mm -hmm. so fun to work with. And my team is genuinely just so amazing and sweet. Um, My illustrator is freelance, which she's amazing as well. She's also done a lot of work for like first aid beauty. Um, I know she's very done cool. the packaging and things like that. So she's like very legit. So I'm so grateful that I've like known her for a while now to be able to work with her. Um, so yeah, we have a couple girls on the team and they just kind of help me out with things I remember that I would do as an intern. And it's just so helpful at the end of the day to know that I have some people helping me out with some things because doing all of the things that I do, sometimes I just can't do it all. Yeah. As much as I would love to. I'm just like, yeah, we can't do it all. But Yeah. So it's really fun to have a team too. And with my old boss in my internship, Yola, she was always so good at, you know, asking me what I wanted to work on and what I was interested in and giving me tasks that I genuinely wanted to do. It wasn't just like, Hey, I need this done, get it done. So I really took that away from her. And I hope that my team feels that, 
you know, I treat them the same way with like really genuinely being interested in what they want to do and what they're looking for in the future and how I can help, you know, help them and connect them to who they need to be connected with. Um, so that hopefully they benefit out of this internship as well, because I totally benefited out of mine. So if anyone's out there and is wondering if an unpaid internship is worth it, absolutely. It like completely changed everything. Oh, yeah. to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've been through plenty of unpaid internships in my day and honestly would not know half the stuff that I know today without those. So I, I would agree. Definitely worth it. Um, I mean, speaking of all of these different things that you do, you know, you're a creator, you're a podcast host, you work in PR. Um, you obviously, like you said, have a team, but obviously there's still a lot on your plate. How are you balancing like your daily tasks and I guess like kind of your outlook for the month? Like how are you reaching your goals? How do the logistics work for you and your business? Honestly, like Google Calendar is my best friend like at all times and it's amazing. So if you don't use Google Calendar and you're still using the app on your iPhone, get yourself on Google Calendar because it's <laughs> Agreed. Just I mean, I literally put every little thing in there and I just go by it because otherwise I am like, you know, between PR and doing the podcast, I mean, I'm talking to so many different people every single day. I get to the point where I'm like, is this a call for my podcast? Is this a call for PR? Okay, it's a call for PR. Is this a call for our event in New York? Is this a call for our event in LA? Like, who am I talking to? What am I doing? And so by just being as organized as I can through a calendar, that helps me so, so much. And I put things in there that are even like self-care. I mean, you know, I always stop work usually around five or six every single day. I'll work late if I have to, but I try to wind it down around then. Um, and I'll put even things in there that are like a nail appointment. And I'm like, nope, this is time that's blocked out for me to go get my nails yeah. fixed. And like, you can't book a call at this time. So sorry. You know what I mean? So I oh, live yeah. and die by the Google call. It's literally my best friend. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. I would be lost without mine for sure. Uh, yeah. But I do love the idea of like incorporating your self-care into your calendar as an appointment because I think for someone who is so strict with their schedule on Google Calendar, it's probably really easy for you to stick to your self-care because it's on your calendar and you're treating yeah. it like an appointment. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Exactly. No. I'm the same way with trying to like have boundaries in my business because I'm the same way. I always am being pulled in so many different directions that it sometimes is difficult to take care of myself. But mm. I have been, I clock out all of my calls. Like they can't book calls past four o'clock because yes, I sir. know if it's at four o'clock, then I'm going to end up staying on the phone later. Then I have emails to still answer. I'll be on the computer till seven, you know? So I've been trying to do the same thing. I also blocked off Fridays because I'm like, I need one day to myself. And whether I spend that day just on the computer answering emails or I spend that as a self-care day, I tried to block out one day of the week to keep to myself as well. So I think it's all about balance. Yeah, totally about balance. And I mean, I do put my self-care in my calendar. It's not like, you know, every day a facial and things like yeah. that I wish. But I mean, I definitely make sure throughout the week, I have a couple, you know, slots in there where I'm like, okay, like I can, you know, go run errands or go get something done, or even just like, clock out of work at home and just like hang out for an hour or so and then come back and get more stuff done. Because otherwise, yeah, it can get 
really overwhelming. And I've done that to myself too, where I've just taken on way too much at once and not really organized it and tried to just literally do it all with no help and telling everybody like, I got it, I got it. And then it just, there's like a saying where it's like, if you don't pick a day for your body to relax, like your body will pick it for you. And so it's really important to, you know, stop yourself before you get to that point where you have to just like completely take a break because no one wants to do that either with everything, you know, going so fast and moving all the time. It's like, you just, you don't want to take a break if you don't really have to. So you don't want to get to that point if you can avoid it. So yeah. Yeah. I think for entrepreneurs, it's really difficult sometimes for us to say no, because obviously as we're growing our businesses, we want to just say yes to everything because like, who knows what opportunity could be like the big opportunity. Like it turns into something that you've been waiting for forever. So it's so hard to say no. I was just talking to my therapist about this the other day because I was like, I'm so tired. I'm overwhelmed. And she was like, well, why do you say yes to everything? Like even things that you know aren't necessarily going to benefit you, but like you want to do it because you feel bad saying no. (laughs) And she gave me the advice of next time someone asks me to do something, I have to, instead of just automatically saying yes, she said, you need to take a pause and really think about that task. Does it need to be done by you? You know, like, is there someone else who can do it? Is it something that is going to be beneficial for you or someone close to you? You know, like, you have to take a pause before you decide yes or no. But I never take that pause. I'm always just like, yes, go, done, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, that'll be good now, though, for you to just kind of like, take a breather, think about it. I know that's why virtual too, sometimes is so great working remote because, you know, sometimes I get an email or a text where I can think about it versus someone asking me directly to my face and I have to answer yeah. right away. I'm like, let me check my calendar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, I want to shift a little bit and talk about PR. I think yeah. PR is something that not a lot of creators really think about because creators don't really know how it benefits them or, you know, it's kind of that one section of the industry where we don't really have a lot to do with. Um, So first of all, I want to have you kind of tell us about your role in PR. Like what are some of the things you do? I'm sure every day looks different, but try and give us a little inside scoop there. Yeah. So backing up just a tiny bit, I graduated from ASU with a degree in business with zero aspiration to go into PR this like fell in my lap and I didn't realize how beneficial it was going to be for me to learn all of these things um, in terms of how it works with business. Like I'm so shocked that a lot of the things in PR are not in a business degree. Like I'm so shocked that it's not there yet because you learn, I feel like I've learned so much more about business and pop cultureized ways because that's the way that I work in business um, through my job than I ever did with my degree. And don't get me wrong, loved my degree and it's so beneficial to have, but if you're yeah. looking to do this kind of stuff, I mean, get you a degree in marketing. Yeah, no. Yeah. So in PR, you know, this opportunity kind of fell in my lap and I kind of just started doing it because I was really interested in the pop culture side of things and all the social media side of things. Um, and I was coming out of my internship and out of college. And so I already had this kind of like background with, you know, the podcast, social media, pop culture, all that kind of stuff. And so the more I worked in it, the more I was finding like ways that I could integrate, you know, things I was learning into a business plan that I'm kind of curating in the background. And so when I started working in PR, I was doing a lot more of the traditional side of things, meaning like 
pitching editors, um, you know, writing articles, things like that, doing the more like editorial Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, real like OG side of PR, if you will. And it was fun, but it definitely wasn't for me. And that's when I was like, yeah, this is why I knew I wouldn't really like PR. And then I kind of switched roles into doing something I was a lot more interested in. The founder where I work, we're really good friends at this point. We're so close. And she was like, you know, like, let's just throw you over here and like, you can work in more of this kind of stuff. So what I do right now is I work with our events, our campaigns, influencers, and celebrities. So obviously this is so my niche. I love it. It's so much fun. So in these categories with the events, I mean, I plan all of our events. I do everything from getting the venue, um, working with a budget, getting a photographer, a videographer, florals, decor, um, customized menus, customized drinks, curating the guest <laughs> list, sending out the invites, getting them there, you know, doing a dress code, right. having inspo for the dress code, doing the actual event itself, making sure everything goes smoothly. Like there's so much fun. And these are another like great things where if you are trying to network, I mean, events are obviously where you get to network a ton. So also kind of like building the event and working the event, I'm making so many more connections this way as well through venues and photographers and the guest list. And it's amazing. It's so much fun. Um, With campaigns, this is a lot of like your social media kind of collaborations and things like that, or collaborations with like influencers and brands working to like create a line with the brand or something like that. So that's really fun as well. Um, those don't happen as often as events do because we kind of only do bigger scaled collaborations. We don't really do those like small one-offs. We do more partnerships, Mm -hmm. um, but those are fun as well. And then with influencers and celebrities also, this is like where I love to work because it's so like, I'm making all these connections and it's just really, really immersing myself in this industry of just networking. And so it's so fun. We do a lot of gifting for celebrities. We do a lot of seating. We do a lot of different angles in these categories that are really fun that I feel like not a ton of other PR agencies are doing quite yet. Um, But it's been really fun and really beneficial for our agency as well. So I'm really excited for those categories to just keep growing. Yes. they. I mean, it sounds like such a fun job. You must just always have a million (laughs) awesome things going on all at once. Obviously, a lot of hard work, but fun, a lot of fun in your job. Um, So I want to touch on like a couple of different aspects of what you were just kind of laying out with what your job looks like. So mm-hmm. first of all, events, you said you mentioned that events were a really great way to network and meet people and everything like that. That's something I would love to get your advice on. I think so many creators now that the world is kind of opening back up are going to start, you know, a lot of creators started in 2020 when they had nothing to do. And now they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a creator. The world's opening back up. I'm going to get invited to all these events. And maybe some of these creators aren't super comfortable at events like that because they've never really had the opportunity to go. So what kind of networking tips could you give to maybe someone who's never been to an event before or someone who might be like, a little uncomfortable. Maybe they don't know anyone who's going to be there. Like what kind of tips could you give? Yeah. So if you're someone who is kind of like emerging in the industry and is getting invited to like your first couple of events, that's so exciting. And I'm very <laughs> happy for you because I know what that feels like to start getting invites because you've you worked so hard and this is like what you've been wanting. Yeah. Right? I would say when you are starting to go to these events, really do your research on what you're going to, because there are a lot of brands and not to like ever put a brand down, but there are a lot of different 
brands where, you know, there's been speculation going on in the background that there's always been kind of like issues at events or, you know, Mm -hmm. they just make you feel uncomfortable or they kind of like serve you a lot of alcohol and kind of make you feel pressured to drink and things like that. And, you know, if you're someone who doesn't really feel comfortable going by yourself and kind of being, you know, in a place to really like say no or something like that, you know, I mean, really just think about what you're going to and if it's really going to be beneficial to you. And this is another thing where I feel like being an influencer, you want to be really curated on not only what you post, but also what you're going to, right? Because if you go to some of these events that don't align with your mission and what you're trying to do, and your following sees that they might be like, wait, isn't she kind of supposed to be doing more of this angle or this angle? Like, why is she at this, like, you know, crazy drunken beach party? And like, if that's (laughs) the thing, totally fine. But I think this is where a lot of things just get misconstrued because social media is such a crazy place nowadays. It's just like, you have to be really careful. And I feel like with our events specifically, like we are really, really welcoming in the fact that we never ever like pressure anyone to do anything. I mean, we always have mocktail options. It's like, you you don't have to, you can take a gift. You don't have to like, you can leave whenever you want, come and go. We don't do those like really long events where you have to show up at a time and leave at a time or like schedule your time to come or you can't bring a plus one. Like we're very like welcoming and we genuinely want to just like connect with people one-on-one and really learn a lot of the different kind of creators and people that are in the industry. And we like to do a lot of events too, that aren't always in those same big cities that we see a lot of the events. We do do them in New York and in LA and in those big cities, but we also outreach to a lot of different cities like Salt Lake and we do like San Diego and we do some still bigger cities, but the ones that aren't so idolized on social media, because there's so many creators there that are just kind of being overlooked because they're not in LA. And that drives me nuts because it's just like, you know what I mean? I feel like there's so many girls and so many content creators that are being overlooked because they're just not part of like the New York squad or whatever. And I just feel like really doing your research as someone in PR or as someone who is an influencer really doing your research on the brand and on the type of event that you're going to and feel free to say like, Hey, is there any way I can get a snippet of the guest list? Or like, don't be afraid to ask these brands too, because I always want to be like full disclosure with everyone. Like if you are more comfortable knowing who else is coming, like, you know, we always tell who we're inviting that, you know, the guest list is kind of like out there too. So we just make sure that everyone feels as comfortable as they can because events can be nerve wracking. And yeah. And if you're ever in an uncomfortable position or you're at an event where you don't feel safe or comfortable, I mean, I know it can be scary. If you can leave, leave, if you can't, I mean, do whatever you can to get out of there, but don't feel like scared to be quiet about it either. Because if you're ever pressured into doing something at an event for social media, that's not okay. So I mean, make yeah. sure you speak up and stick up for yourself. Because I've heard horror stories like that, too, from certain crazy, oh, we gosh. won't say the brand's names, but certain events. <laughs> like that. And that's why, you know, I don't work with certain brands either. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's all really great points. Um, and one thing that actually, this made me think of, I had one of my coaching students who she was getting invited to an event and it was um, like a family event. She's kind of like a mom blogger. And she was like, oh, I'm so excited to go to this event. But like, 
do I have to do anything? You know, like, am I, do I have to pose? So for creators who are maybe getting invited to events and stuff, is there typically kind of like an unspoken rule that like you should pose something? So I think some brands are like that. And I think some events are definitely like you go there and they have like the hashtags plastered everywhere. And they're like, take your picture here, tag us. And I get it because, you know, they want you to post to outreach for them. Um, At our events specifically, no, there are no requirements whatsoever. If it is something that you want to do and work with us on a partnership, we even ask your rates to post. Like we'll never ask you to post without knowing what your rates are and what you would charge to work and do, you know, different postings, whether it's a reel or feed or a story or whatever it is. Um, I would say most of the time people post because they're genuinely having a good time and like they're liking it and it's cute yeah. and it's fun. Um, but by no means do we like go through the guest list after and be like, oh, she didn't post. We're never reaching out to her again. Like never, ever, ever. No. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because I think that's always kind of like something that people have in the back of their mind. They're like, is this required? And no, and, not it's saying it. and, and that's why, yeah, that's why I'm like, do your research. And just like, if you have friends in the industry that, you know, know a brand well, or have been to a similar event, like just do your research and get the background info because you know, your limits and you know what you'll be comfortable doing and not doing. And yeah. you know, some people love a rager and they're good with it. And some people are just more of a homebody and want a really like low key event. And that's right. Totally fine. So yeah, I would just say, make sure you really do your research on where you're going and what you're doing. That's fair. That's fair. So as someone who works in PR, one of your jobs with your clients is obviously to handle their image to the public. You know, like that's pretty much a huge part of of PR. So as someone in PR, what advice would you give to an influencer who is maybe afraid of being like, quote, canceled? It's interesting. I had a whole like series of interviews that I did with influencers for a project I was working on. And I asked them like, what's your biggest fear? And I could not believe how many people said like getting canceled, saying the wrong thing. So what kind of, what kind of advice would you give for creators who are just kind of afraid of that happening to them? Yeah. And I feel like everyone's different, right? Some people are really outgoing and outspoken and don't always think before they say things. And some people are much more reserved and neutral, right? So I would think, you know, if I'm working with a client who's like, I really want to post this content, but I'm scared of the backlash or the reaction I'm going to get, my first thought would be like, well, what is it about your content that you think might get canceled? Because that's something right there that you think is controversial and might get misconstrued or in the wrong way or maybe taken out of context or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, So I would think that's like my first and foremost thought with someone is like, what is it that you think you're going to say or do that's going to get you canceled? And then we would kind of go from there, right? I mean, if it's something political, that's a whole other aspect. If it's something, you know, more on the side of, I don't know. I mean, there's so many things going on in the world right now. I'm like, You know, if it was me and like on my personal side of things, I stay neutral with just about everything on my page and I keep it like solely about beauty and like as much happiness as I can. I mean, I'm really real on there. I don't ever like post that I'm having a great day if I'm not, you know what I mean? But I think like for someone who's just kind of fearful of that, um, it's fair to feel that way because it, it happens so much and so much more than it should on social media. But I mean... It can be anything from, you know, a comment you say or even a song you use on a reel. Someone can take a certain lyric and say, you know, oh my gosh, you shouldn't be using that in your video because, 
you know, you're not the right demographic for that. And so I think it's just such a touchy subject and such a hard subject. But I think if that's your fear, you really just have to kind of take a step back and think, well, what is it that I'm doing that could get me in that position of being canceled or having backlash and kind of, you know, rework in reverse to maybe get rid of whatever you're thinking is going to cause that to make something, you know, some kind of different content. Yeah. I know that's kind of a weird answer, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's tough to navigate. so tough. Yeah. It's so yeah. tough. I think the other issue is that influencers are always like expected to say something when something yeah. is going on. Like I, I was reading one of my friends LinkedIn posts about a photo shoot the other day and it was like about how this photo shoot went super wrong, but she ended up figuring it out. And it was a nice story and whatever, you know, it was like a nice light Tuesday reading. And <laughs> Someone commented and was like, you know, this is going on in the Ukraine and like you're here complaining about photo shoots. So it's sometimes I feel like it's like you either say something to speak up about something and people have they don't like what you said. So they get come at you or you don't say anything. And they're like, why aren't you saying anything? You have this platform. You should say something. So it's hard for creators because I feel like we get caught in the middle so many times. I always for me personally, like. I think it's a really good point to to say, like, before you post it, step back and, like, what is it that's controversial? And then right. I always ask myself, like, do I care? Am I, like, passionate enough about this that I'm willing to possibly get to- totally canceled over this? Right. You know, like, yeah. or am, not even just canceled, but, like, am I willing to, like, lose some followers over this? Do I believe in it enough? Is, you know, is it as important to me as losing a few followers would be, you know? So I always try and put it in that perspective. Um, But also like, I think it's hard because you should definitely be speaking up for what you believe in and what you think is right. But I think you have to do it in a way that's respectful so that people don't come at you. It's it's very difficult to navigate. It's very difficult to navigate. And I think this is just another one of those moments where you really have to be authentic to yourself and genuine what your morals are and your beliefs are. And if this is something that you want to post about, you know, and you're willing to accept what might come from it, you know, then that's your own decision and go ahead. And, you know, what you support and what you don't support, you can also do offline as well. You don't always have to post it. Although you're following, you need to post something to share what you're thinking or feeling just because you don't post about something doesn't mean you don't care or don't support or don't donate. And you know, that kind of a thing as well. Um, So I think it's really just kind of up to you on how you're feeling with whatever it is that's going on. And I know it's such a tough world to navigate, but just do your best to not follow the crowd and genuinely like do what you're feeling. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Um, what would you say are some of the most kind of like beneficial things you've learned for influencers about PR? You know, like if an influencer kind of got a peek into the world of PR, what were what would be the things that you think would be the most beneficial for them to know in order for them to you know, get ahead in their career, further their career. To grow more, you mean, kind of? Yeah. 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 So I feel like there's a couple different things here, right? I feel like with what I deal with personally with influencers 
is a lot of gifting. And so from the gifting, you know, we'll gift normally it's bigger influencers and people that fit the brand's demographic, right? And also people that the brand has been watching on social too. So sometimes you get something because we've been watching you and the brand's been watching you and they want to see how you genuinely feel about the bag before we reach out with a paid collaboration, if that kind of makes sense. So, you know, I think it's just really, again, being really authentic with what you use and love. And if it's something that you do love, like a brand, I mean, it's so beneficial to us too, when you reach back out and say like, thank you so much for sending this bag. I loved it so much. Like, I'd love to see how I can work with you. Um, And, you know, partnerships can grow from there, whether it's paid on social, whether it's actually designing a bag for the line with the brand. I mean, we've done that as well. Um, Whether it's being the face of an event with the brand and hosting with the brand. um, We've done that too. Another thing that's really beneficial for influencers is when you do go to these events that you are comfortable with going to afterwards, if you had a good time and you loved the brands that you were introduced to there, reach back out to the PR. I mean, after our last event in San Diego, I had so many girls and this was so fun for me because I loved connecting with all of them. I had so many of them reach out to me and be like, how can we work with you guys? How can we work with this brand? How can we work with that brand? Like we loved it so much. We're wearing it all the time. And I'm genuinely seeing these girls posting what we gifted them without even tagging the brand or us. I'm just seeing it as I'm going through my personal feed, which is so fun to see because I know they're genuinely loving it. And that's something we're watching as well. So the more I see them post, the more I'm kind of like, okay, this could be something maybe next quarter or next season. So it's really fun to watch that. So yeah, just kind of being authentic with what, you know, you're being gifted or introduced to um, in your influencer journey and just really kind of making an actual partnership with an agency or with a brand is going to really help you get a lot farther in terms of like paid collaborations and paid partnerships in terms of like a following and things like that. This is just like being pure, genuine, like being as genuine as you can. I feel like people are going to follow you because they genuinely love what you're creating or what you're preaching and just who you are as a person. So don't feel like your following defines you either because again, the algorithm is so out of whack. People may just not be seeing you yet and it could be coming. So it's all over the place. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me. We are fully aware. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so with PR, obviously there are some situations where you guys are working with influencers, obviously, you know, being authentic, being genuine, really truly loving the brands, you know, that they would be pitching to and things like that. That's all a given, but are there other things that you can think of that, if a brand pitches to you to work with one of your clients or anything like that, is there anything that you're always just like, oh, I love it when this happens. Like, I love when influencers do this. This makes me want to work with them so much more. Yeah. I mean, again, when someone reaches out and it's just like truly being so sweet and genuine and isn't just like straight to the point of like, here's my rates or like, this is how much I'm looking to make. I mean, when I know, and you can tell this is just kind of like common sense, right? You can tell when someone is like actually really excited about a partnership or excited to work with you versus just like, oh, this is another one we need to do for me to make an extra X amount of dollars. You know what I mean? That's when I get really excited is when I find someone that's really passionate about what they do and really wants to work with us or with a brand. Um, because we get both sides, right? I've definitely seen both. And it's just kind of like, 
why would we want to work with someone that we know isn't genuinely invested right. in the brand? Because you have to really think about the brand, right? I mean, they have their entire mission statement and philosophy and the founder has built this from the ground up and from scratch and they're so passionate about it. So they want to work with people that are genuinely excited about what they've created, not someone that they just are going to pay to post to their following of X yeah. amount of people who has a 2% engagement rate. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. So in the kind of like back end behind the scenes, what does it look like when you are working with the brand to choose influencers? Obviously, again, like they may have some people already kind of in mind. You guys might have some people in mind, but what is the back and forth with you and the brand and the influencers look like? What is that process? Yeah. So first of all, we kind of look at the brand, right? What kind of brand is it? I mean, we have so many different brands in so many different categories. So if we're looking in beauty, it's completely different than fashion. If we're looking right. in nutrition, it's even different than fitness. Sometimes you would think they're so similar, which they are, but they're still a different demographic. Yeah. I mean, first we really curate the demographic and what we're really looking for. So like, for example, we work with a designer luxury bag brand that also retails in Nordstrom and they have a luxury diaper bag, which is one of their best sellers. They have a ton of other bags as well, but the diaper mm -hmm. bag is one of the best sellers. So of course, when we're looking here, we want to look at either pregnant moms or moms with newborns, right. um, probably people who, you know, are within the age of like 25 to 35, which I would say right now is like a very average, like mom pregnant age. Mm -hmm. Um, and from here, we just kind of start looking. And if we have people in mind that we're already thinking of, because we already follow someone like this, we're like, Oh, yeah, you know, Amber filler yeah. or someone like that. And so we'll kind of look around there um, and take it back to the brand and they'll give us their feedback. And sometimes they'll have ideas and bring it to us and we'll give them our feedback. Um, so it's just a lot of like social media stalking, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, this is another fun part of my job. Sometimes I just get to like search Instagram for people like this. And <laughs> again, with these collaborations, we, you know, sometimes they have someone in mind that they really want to target. It's like, oh, it would be a dream to work with this influencer or this blogger and we'll go after them. But, you know, a lot of the times it's really just like find someone who's genuinely excited and passionate and is in our demographic and is in our niche that has a good page and like, it can be a hundred thousand followers. It can be a hundred million followers. Like it's not even always about yeah. like what kind of outreach is this going to get us? It's more about like the actual partnership, which again is so fun because I just love our agency. I feel like it's so genuine. I know that sounds so like gushy, but I worked yeah, in different no. places and like, it's just so fun. Yeah. You, you've seen the the other side of, yeah. of PR. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, so when, when you're presenting basically these people to the brand, like what are some of the things that you might hear back from them on like if they didn't like someone? Like maybe would it be like, oh, you know, yes, they're in our demographic, but what? Yeah, and that's fair. And I feel like, you know, brands typically have more, I think, because they know their brand so much sure. more than I ever will, just because it's their brand that yeah. they created. I think they'll find, you know, there's sometimes just things they don't like. Maybe they worked with a competitor in the past. And even though it was three years ago, they just don't want to cross that path and yeah. deal with any backlash there. Um, sometimes, you know, it is other brands that influencers may work with that they don't align with. And they're like, oh, mm. they seem like a great person. But because they worked with this brand, we're just not super interested Maybe there's things in the past. I mean, there's so many different things yeah. that could be, you know, the factor of the no, it could be anything like that. But I would say very rarely is it ever due to like 
engagement or a following or or anything like that. It's typically just because they don't see it being like in perfect alignment with their mission and their brand. But that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the more I work with them, the more I feel like I know their vibe and I know what they're really looking for. Exactly. And and so, you know, it's very rare that, you know, we bring them someone and they're like, no, like it never (laughs) like that. It's usually just like, oh, it's amazing. But we like really want to work with this person. Like, yeah, exactly. We try to get this person. So it's like, of course, you know, that's my job. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Okay, my last question for you, when you go on to a creator's page, and you're like, okay, this, this might be someone that looks interesting for this campaign. What, like, kind of logistics do you look for? Like, do you look for anything specific in their bio or headline? Do you look at their Instagram highlights, like, in their captions? Like, what with the logistics of what creators do? Uh, is it that you are specifically looking at besides their photos? Yeah. So typically what catches my eye is seeing people that are posting, you know, collaborations and then actually using or posting the same kind of brands again, when it's not for a paid collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I really like to see. I typically try not to ever like judge a page before I really deep dive because I mean, again, Instagram is not real life and we know this. (laughs) And so never do I just like look at someone's bio and be like, oh my God, she has all the accolades we're looking for. Like done, let's reach out to her. Typically I'll schedule a call and reach out and be like, hey, we'd love to work with you. We've been, you know, kind of seeing some things. We have this brand, blah, blah, blah. Um, When's a good time to chat? So usually I'll hop on the phone with them one-on-one, get a better vibe, learn more about their style of influencing um, and kind of get a feel for that before I do anything else or even take them to the brand. Typically I like to connect with them first. Um, again, if this is someone like the brand has already been wanting to work with this person for so long and they kind of already know them, I don't go through that process <laughs> yeah. kind of like when I'm trying to find someone for them. Um, but yeah, I typically connect with them one-on-one. Um, and of course I look at their page. I feel like that's, you know, any good publicist should do that and, you know, yeah. do all the backlinks that you should do. But I like being personable and I feel like I learn so much more and get such a better feel oh, yeah. once I've talked to someone versus just, you know, looking at a couple of posts. Yeah, hundred percent. I, that's something I encourage my students to do all the time is like at the end of a pitch saying like, do you have 15 minutes this week to get on a call? Yeah. Like just get a coffee, you know, right. cause you really can, you can learn so much more about someone on the phone than you can even just watching their stories every day. You know, like I feel yeah. like it's, it's still just such a different ball game. And for a brand that's going to be investing hundreds, if not thousands of dollars into a creator, I think it's a very smart thing that you get to know them and and actually find out if they're the right fit. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. So at the end of every episode, I open the floor for my guests to ask me any one question. Um, So let's hear what you've got for a question. Okay. Okay. Well, first, can I ask like one and a half? I yeah. Guess. Okay. All right. I'll make an exception. <laughs> okay. First, tell me everything you do so I know all of your roles. Okay. Okay. So uh, obviously we've got the podcast going on. Um, podcast is an extension of our business. So our business is called Social Me and we basically work with 
entrepreneurial influencers who are looking to create like a more profitable, self-sustaining business from their yep. online influence. Um, so we do that through coaching programs, you know, different training programs, ebooks, different things like that. Um, and then I also have my kind of other half of my business, which is just my personal influencing and content creation and things like that. So I usually will learn from all of my own mistakes influencing and then teach how to and how not to do certain things. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I like kind of knew all of this, but I didn't yeah. have it all pieced together. But no, now I have a much better idea. I love all of that. That's so cool. Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you more like a business question. Okay. So because you help a lot of brands and entrepreneurs grow, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who are aspiring to start their own brand, no matter the category? Mm. What are the beginning steps they should take? So I will say I've learned like a few really strong points in my however many years now of being a business owner. So before, you'll love this because you're a beauty person. Before I was in the social media space, I actually used to own a salon spa. Um, Yeah. So I used to do uh, hair, makeup, and photography for weddings. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work on the weekends, which I didn't love. Um, but I eventually transi- transitioned that into an actual salon spa. We also had a photography studio in there and like a boutique in the front and stuff. Um, eventually, I ended up selling that business. Um, but I've been in a business owner for a very long time is what I'm trying to say. Um, so in all of these years, I think one of the few things that has stuck with me is the motto of just like, try it and see what happens. Like there are so many risks that I took in all of my businesses I've had up to this point that paid off. And some that definitely didn't, but were great learning experiences. But I think you definitely have to just take the plunge when it feels uncomfortable because like there's a million Pinterest quotes about this, but like you don't (laughs) excel unless you're getting out of your comfort zone. And I so wholeheartedly believe that. Um, So that's definitely one thing. Also, more logistically, I would say one thing that has stuck with me is um, like delegating and outsourcing. This is something that I'm just getting comfortable with. It's taking me a long time because I'm a very type A person. I like to like no one's going to do it like I'm going to do it is what I think to myself all the time. So it's it's difficult to hand off different tasks, but I realized that in order for me to have any sort of work-life balance, that's something that has to happen. Um, And also there are plenty of different tasks that I need to do that other people can do quicker or better. And it makes sense for me to spend the money to let them do it. You know, like your illustrator. I'm sure you could learn how to do it on Canva. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> He's really good at it. And I've tried to like draw stuff and I'm like, never mind. Like you got it. <laughs> so maybe not as well, but if you needed something to throw up, you could find a Canva template. But you know, like it would take you probably a super long time to get it the way you want it to look. It would probably never look the way you want it to look. So at the end of the day, you paying your illustrator is a super smart choice because it's going to look better. It's going to get done faster and it gives you time. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the time is like one of the most valuable things as a business owner. Like you need to spend your time doing the things that you specifically need to do that other people can't do. 
you know? Okay. So, yeah, I would say those are probably the, the two things that have got me to where I am today. Uh, both hard pills to swallow. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. And it's like, it's such good advice because it's real. Like, this is how it really oh, yeah. is. I feel like so many people, and I was this way when I was even in college, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just start a beauty line as soon as I graduate. We're just going to like hit the ground running as soon as <laughs> like my cap's thrown in the air and it's going to be great. And it's like, then you really start looking at the financials and the manufacturers and all the different moving parts and the shelf life of ingredients and the Oof. timeline of everything. And you're like, okay, yeah, so maybe we should learn a couple things before yep. we fully dive into this because as much as I would love it launched as soon as possible, I'm in like no rush because I'd rather genuinely take the time yeah, to do it right. fully do the process rather than just, you know, paying someone and slapping my name on it and being like, here it is, I did it, yeah. and, you know, but yeah. yeah, exactly. I think you learn so much better and you get so much more value out of your business when you are the one who's fully immersed in things like that. You know, like you could definitely pay uh, like what is, I can't remember what they're called, where it's like, mm, I can't remember the word, but it's like where basically like the ingredients are like, it's the same product for everyone else. You just, like you said, slap your name well, on it. Call it white labeling. Yes. It's yes. Like a, white like labeling. A party. No, and yes. a, lot of, a lot of brands do that nowadays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know and love and you just mm-hmm. don't know but that's yeah. okay. but, but it's one of those things where like you know you're you going through that process of like actually sourcing ingredients and da, 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 like you're learning so much more that way and like you're so much more of an expert than if you were to just like you know again like let's get it done quick let me pay this person to you know yeah. white label it done yeah and I mean like of course I hope and pray that I can make it my full-time career one day and that I can like financially be stable off yeah. of it but that's not why I'm doing it. You know what I mean? I'm genuinely like so excited to like put on pink scrubs, get in the lab with my chemist and like mix things and get dirty. (laughs) And like, I'm so excited for it. I cannot wait. That's amazing. Well, we'll all be looking out for it. So for everyone who's listening, where can we find you on all the platforms and your podcast and all that good stuff? Yes, thank you. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm kind of annoying. My handle has two E's at the end of my first name and two E's at the end of my last name. So it's Mackenzie Judge with two E's. So M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-E-J-U-D-G-E-E. So sorry. The other handle is my old one that I got locked out of in middle school. Please don't look it up because you'll get all of my old photos. Um, You can find the podcast on Instagram as well. It's just Blondie Beauty Podcast, much easier. And we stream on all platforms where you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, Amazon, all the things. So yay. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was so helpful. And I hope that everyone listening got a ton from this episode. Oh, thank you so, so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kbusk. See you next week.